Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. I really didn't struggle with doubts as I grew. I mean, I know people do, and I'm not saying that that's a problem if you do. It's, it's kind of natural and normal. But I got saved when I was six, and I know I'm saved. You say, how do you know you got saved when you're six? Well, I know I'm saved right now, and I look back to that at the time I did get saved, and so I'm very thankful for that, and uh, you can have a part in that. Hope you'll encourage your pastor. I hope that you will. Hope you'll rally behind him and encourage him and be his friend. You know, take care of him. You know, notice if his shoes are worn out, buy him a new pair of shoes. The tires on his car, worn out, buy him a new car, you know. Uh, Just be kind to him and take care of him. And uh, be a blessing to him, and I'm sure that you will. I think it's a great thing when people, when uh, there's a people and a pastor to have a, have a good relationship. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews, it says this, you know, a lot of people get hung up on where it says, obey them that have the rule over you. But you know, there's a little verse in there that says, salute them that have the rule over you. And I always thought, what does that mean, salute them? And I think the idea there is be on speaking terms with your pastor. You know, there are some people that don't ever speak unless they're spoken to. That's not the way it should be. The Bible says that we should have a good relationship with spiritual leadership. And so I hope as you have had a kind of an unusual start to this pastor-people relationship, as COVID made that difficult at the start, I hope that you'll work toward that. And God will truly bless this ministry and bless this work. And I want to just say thank you for allowing me to be with you over the last couple of days, allowing me to preach to you. And to get to know you a little bit, it's been an honor. And I I don't mean that uh, lightly. I I really am sincere when I say that. It is an honor. Uh, I just was blown away. The first church had asked me to be their pastor. I I was blown away that they would want a 27-year-old kid to be their pastor. And I am blown away anytime somebody would invite me to be uh, a speaker at their event. And so I mean that, uh, Brother Smith. Thank you for having me, and I hope that I've been a blessing to you. I've tried to be anyway. And uh, again, I I trust that the Lord would use the truths that were communicated to be a blessing to your life. Well, let's turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, and I want to talk about my favorite character in the Bible outside of Jesus, and that's Peter. Peter is such a great character. We talked about him a little bit last night, referred to him Somewhat, we talk more about James and John and their relationship with Jesus, but let's look at Peter tonight. So much to learn about Peter. He was such a, uh, I don't know, I like him because he was so transparent. I mean, he just put put himself out there, you know. And uh, there's so much you can learn from his life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I want to see some of that tonight. Mark chapter 14, I want to read one verse to start, verse 54, and then I would like to move our attention down to verse 66. So look what it says in verse 54. And Peter followed him, of course this is Jesus, he followed him afar off. Now understand the context very quickly. This is where Jesus is being arrested. He is going to begin his his kind of kangaroo court trials. And so at verse 54, Jesus is arrested, but Peter is kind of keeping his distance and watching what's going on. He follows him afar, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now let's drop down to verse 66, because what we read in verse 55 down to 65 
is all about Jesus' trial. They're going to start mistreating him, accusing him, beating him, uh, putting him on, on trial, of course. Verse 66, And as Peter was beneath the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. I don't understand what you're talking about. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew, the rooster, rooster crew. So, so you would think at this point he would, he would say, oh, wait a second. I need to get my act together. But, but he doesn't. He con- continues. And the maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. I mean, she's talking about him right in front of him. Hey, he's talking to our friends. <laughs> that guy right there, he's one of them. And Peter, he denied it in verse 70 again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. And he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time the cock crew. Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Another gospel account says that he went out and he wept bitterly. I want to preach to you tonight about two sides to the story. Two sides to the story. I want you to see both sides of of this story tonight. And I hope it will be a blessing and encouragement to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege to be in this church tonight. I thank you for a congregation that has gathered and committed to... uh, exist for the purpose of communicating the gospel to others, and I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would stir up in them an excitement of being saved, an excitement of serving God, and that you would use this meeting to just add one little brick to the spiritual journey of this ministry and this church. And I pray that you would bless them and use them in a mighty way in this community for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, there are only a handful of incidents that are recorded in all four Gospels. You understand there are four Gospel accounts. They all tell the same story. They just tell it from a different uh, viewpoint of that story. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Of course, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels. They kind of follow the same line of thinking. John's Gospel is just a little bit different. And, And so you have all four Gospels. And so because of that, there are only a few stories that are in all four Gospels. Uh, You have, of course, Jesus' resurrection is contained in every gospel story. I mean, that's extremely significant, and so it's a miracle that gets a lot of attention, and rightly so, is in all four accounts. You also have the feeding of the 5,000. That's a miracle that is in all uh, four gospels that gets a lot of attention for whatever reason. And then Palm Sunday, uh, where Jesus makes that entrance into the city, that's in all four gospels. Another thing that is in all four gospels is this account right here. Peter's denial of Jesus finds its way into all four stories. You know, among the disciples, there was no one more vocal in his support of Jesus than Peter. Do you think about that? Peter was not afraid to speak up. That's what we have going on in life sometimes. I don't know about you, but there were times I sat in a classroom 
And the teacher would ask a question, and I knew the answer to the question. I believed I knew the answer, and once the answer was given, I would have been correct. But I was a little hesitant to raise my hand. I just didn't, for whatever reason, want to speak up. That was never Peter. Peter was not afraid. Even if his answer was wrong, he wasn't afraid to speak up. And he was vocal, and I I like that about him. I mean, he, he... spoke up and stood up for Jesus. I mean, you remember when all of the other, remember in John chapter 6, all of these disciples were leaving Jesus. I mean, they kind of got, maybe the sayings of Jesus were a little too hard. It was a little too difficult what he was teaching. And they began to leave. And I think one of the saddest verses in all of the Bible, John 6 and verse 66, Jesus looks at him and he says, are you also, he turns to his 12 and he says, are you guys going to go away too? Will you also go away? Remember, give Peter some credit. He was the guy that stood up and said, hey, where are we going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. Peter was vocal. He said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking with you. Remember, it was Peter when Jesus said, Who do, who's everybody saying that I am? And his disciples said, well, some say you're Elias. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're the, the prophet, you know. And, and he says, but, but wait a second, guys. Who do you say that I am? It was Peter that stood up, didn't he? And he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living. I mean, that is a pinnacle piece of Scripture in the Gospel accounts. As Peter stands up, he says, you're the Christ. And he declares it with great boldness. It was Peter that when Jesus washed their the disciples' feet. Remember that, that great story we talked about serving a little bit last night? And we talked about how Jesus washed their feet. I love this about Peter. When Jesus comes to wash his feet, he says, wait a second, you're not washing my feet. I mean, don't you appreciate his sincerity? No, no, no. We know who you are. You are the Christ. You're not washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. And I love his his sincerity and his statement when he says that. But, but, But Jesus says, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you don't have any fellowship with me. You don't have any part with me. And I love Peter's answer. He said, well, then wash me from head to toe. Don't just wash my feet. I want to have fellowship with you so deep. If that's what it takes, then whatever it takes, that's what I want. I mean, Peter was just a a great vocal advocate for the Lord Jesus. And man, I, I love that. So when it comes to Peter, if some lesser man would have made a denial, it wouldn't have been such a surprise, would it? I mean, if you read the story with fresh eyes, which is what we ought to do, I, I thought that was such a blessing on Tuesday morning. I know you weren't here, the preacher that preached in the morning, he, he was talking about when he got saved, he didn't really know anything about the Bible, and he said, so when he read the Bible, I mean, he didn't know anything, so he said, I was reading the story about Solomon splitting the baby in half, and he's like, I'm reading this going, oh, no way, is he going to cut the ba- baby? And I mean, like, I, that, that just did something to my heart, because I think sometimes we read the Bible, and we know how the story ends and so we read it with this familiarity and we just kind of know what's going to happen next and, and and it's good to read it with fresh eyes I mean think about it of all of the disciples to deny Jesus Peter would have been the last one that you would have picked because he had been so vocal in his support of Jesus in fact the commentator A.W. Pink said this we are less prepared for the cowardice of Peter than for the covetousness of Judas That the one should turn timid seems less natural than that the other should prove traitor. And I think he's right. I mean, it doesn't shock you when you read about Judas that he turned that, even though in the gospel account I know there was some trustworthiness about Judas and all of those kind of things, but really it should shock you more that Peter did what he did. But I want you to think about this truth tonight. The more prominent a person is in Christianity the greater disaster from his failures. 
I mean, think about that. If a church member commits adultery, man, that, that's a shocker, and that's, that's not a good thing in a church ministry at all. But if a deacon does it, or even a, a pastor does it, the ripple effect is even greater. I mean, just in recent days, I mean, in the last, I guess, six months or so, the great apologist that made an impact for Christianity, Ravi Zacharias, how many of you are familiar with that name and familiar with who he is? Well, it's, it's turned out that he was not a very moral man, and there were a lot of accusations made, and, and that did damage. The more prominent an individual, when they fail, the more damage it, it often does, the more disaster ensues. And so we see that Peter was kind of that character. Peter enjoyed a lot of spiritual privileges. But understand, his spiritual privileges did not assure spiritual successes. And that's true in life. I mean, listen, I grew up in, in, in a Christian home. I'm so grateful I did. I grew up in a home where my mom and dad were committed to church. Listen, we did not ask mom or dad if we were going to church on Sunday night. You went to church Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night. You went on Wednesday night. It was, I don't ever remember barely questioning that. That's just what we did. I mean, the Bible was present in our home. Christianity was something that was central. My parents didn't just go to church. They served in church. My dad was a deacon. My dad was a Sunday school teacher. My dad would go on visitation. My mom taught in children's classes, sang in the choir. I mean, that, that was a part of our life. And, and the truth be told is because I had this spiritual foundation, I had a lot of spiritual benefits and blessings, but that did not guarantee spiritual success in my life. Listen, I've got five children. I love my children. And they are growing up in a pastor's home. But just because their dad is a pastor and a preacher and a, a Christian servant does not guarantee and assure that they are going to have spiritual success. I live with the reality and really a healthy fear that some of my children may not grow up and live for Jesus. They may not grow up and stay in church. They may not grow up and stay in what I pray often, conservative Baptist churches. And I, I would love that and I hope that that's the case and I'm trying to disciple them that way. But I'm just reminding you, just because Peter had spiritual privileges did not guarantee that he would have spiritual success. And we make a mistake when we think just because I've had this, 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 and this in my life, then I am guaranteed to turn out well. Because Peter got to associate with Jesus on a regular basis. But Peter failed here. In fact, I would say this, privilege aggravates our guilt when we do fail. How many of you have ever noticed this or, or said this about somebody? They should have known better. Hmm? Well, we look at Peter in this text. He should have known better. He should have known better. But before we're too hard on him, in the last chapter, the previous chapters leading up to this, he made some mistakes that we are all guilty of. We have all talked when we should have listened. Agreed? I mean, that's what Peter did in many cases. Jesus said, listen, you're all going to turn away from me and deny me. And Peter said, no, 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 not me. I'll never do that. He should have been listening to what Jesus was saying instead of running his mouth. But he was talking when he should have been listening, and all of us have been guilty of that. He argued when he should have obeyed. 
He slept while, just earlier in this passage, he was sleeping while he should have been praying. And he was fighting when he should have been submitted. Remember he cut that man's ear off when he should have been doing what God wanted him to do? I'm just telling you, every one of us have been guilty of everything that Peter did. But I want to point out tonight that there were two sides to his story. Now when we say two sides to every story, we usually mean that you know you have your version and I have my version. Of course, I've learned in life that there are really three sides to every story. You know, your version, my version, and the true version, right? And uh, But Peter, I'm talking about There were two sides to his story. And I want to point them out. Here you go. Two sides to Peter's failure. Number one, Peter was weak in the flesh. Peter was weak in the flesh. And I think this is interesting because back in verse 38 of this same chapter, Mark chapter 14, Jesus said, watch and pray lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Well, the flesh was weak. You say, what does that mean, the flesh was weak? You understand in Bible terminology, the flesh is our sin nature. The flesh is our natural man. You know, we are not born good people. We're born sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so Peter, uh, the Bible says that his flesh, his sin nature, it it was weak. It wasn't spiritually strong. It was struggling. It means that it was prone to weakness. It was prone to sin. Notice his journey. In verses 67 and 68, there's a girl that questions him, and he just kind of plays dumb. I don't know what you're talking about. In verses 69 and 70, the same girl questions him, and he just kind of ignores her and blows blows her off. And then in verses 70 and 71, he starts swearing with an oath. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, well, he started cussing. He started using bad language. I don't think that's what he was doing. I think when he was swearing, I think he was saying like this, you, you know, people talk like this, if you excuse me, I don't, I don't necessarily talk like this, but they'll say, I swear to God. You ever heard somebody say that? I swear to God, I'm telling the truth. Well, Jesus said, you don't have to swear to God, just let your yay be yay and your nay be nay, right? But we say that, so, I swear, I'm telling the truth. How about this, when you were a little kid, did you ever say it this way? I swear on my mother's grave. We used to say that, and my mom was still living, you know. I, I swear, I swear on my mother's grave, I'm telling the truth. I think he was making some kind of oath like that. He was making some kind of solemn vow that he was telling the truth. He he was maybe saying, Scout's honor, I'm telling the truth. And and here he is, he's just kind of talking about that, and this is the journey that that, that took place. But, But if we slow it down and look in panoramic view, we can see how he dropped the ball. I don't know about you, again, I love sports. My favorite sport to watch on TV would be college football, big-time college football fan, and uh, I love watching that, but instant replay can get on my nerves. It's kind of like, let's just play the game, people. But sometimes, don't you love it when you're like, hey, show that again, show that again, I want to see that again, and they might slow it down, and you'll say, oh, yeah, 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 his knee was down, or yep, yep, the ball's coming out. Well, I'll tell you, if you slow this whole event down, you can see where Peter started bobbling the ball and he started to fail. I want to point it out to you. First of all, I want you to notice this, that he followed afar. Remember, his flesh was weak. He was struggling. And he follows afar. We read that in verse 54. He's following Jesus, but he's just kind of keeping his distance there. You know, he, he just kind of appeases his conscience and saves his reputation by keeping his distance. Have you ever done that about Jesus? Like, you, you don't want to just outright deny him, but you kind of want to, at the workplace or at school or in the neighborhood, you kind of want to keep your distance. Like, you're, not, you're, not gonna, you're still following him, but you're kind of keeping a safe distance so nobody associates you with 
this radical faith of Christianity. And you, you know, you don't want to, you, you know, you want to follow him, but you don't want to be a Bible radical, a Bible thumper. You don't want to be too, too out there. And so you follow him, but you just you, you keep your distance. You're allowed to kind of save your own reputation and your own your your own face and you, you but but it, but it still appeases your conscience because you're still following him. That's what Peter was doing here, and it was a mistake. You know, I know you don't know me very well. I've only been here for a few short days, and I understand that, but it wouldn't take you long to talk to me to find out some things that are important to me. I mean, you, you do know that I'm married, and you do know that I have five kids. I've mentioned that to you several times, because it's, it's just, it's important to me. It's come out in my life. Uh, you, you do know that I'm from Cincinnati. I shared that with you because I'm in Ohio and I was excited to be in Ohio and I'm a fellow and I mean every night somebody said well you like the Reds or do you like you like the Bengals you, okay yeah and I, I told you I did I, I'm an even bigger Ohio State fan I, you, it doesn't take you long to talk to me to figure that out I love to love to love to play golf I'd play golf every day if I if I was allowed to I, I, I love that it wouldn't take you long to talk to me to figure out these things come up in conversation with me because they are important to me well, let me just challenge you, church. If we say that Jesus is important to us and he never comes up in our conversation, what does that really say about how important he is to us? Because what I'm trying to suggest is there are far too many of us that are following Jesus, but we're keeping a really healthy distance away from him. And that is not the way it's supposed to be. Listen, we sometimes think denying our faith comes in terms of some dramatic moment like Peter. I mean, he was in this, like, big crucible moment where, where, where it came down to this tense time, and is he going to stand up for Jesus or is he going to fail? But I want to tell you, that's not the way it works most of the time. That's almost never the situation. It's normally the small situations that have relatively small consequences where we deny Jesus. What I'm saying is it means like some of us work with people and we never, ever bring anything up about the Bible or about our faith. Never. We don't talk about it. We, we, we never mention going to church. I mean, listen, you, you ought not work next to somebody and they don't know that you go to Bailey Road Baptist Church. You ought not sit in a desk at a school room next to people and they don't know that you're a Christian. And that you believe the Bible? You ought not mop floors with somebody and they don't know that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, does it never come up in your conversation that you're praying for somebody? Man, I'll tell you, we often follow Jesus, but we just follow him at this safe distance. And we follow him, we kind of treat our faith the way, the way we treat our driver's license. We take it out and show it to people when they ask for it. And tomorrow I'm going to fly home. I'm looking forward to getting home and seeing my family. I miss them. I doubt they're missing me, but I miss them, and I'd like to get back and see them. And so I'm going to get on an airplane. When I go up to the desk tomorrow, I'm going to show, they're going to say, can I see your ID? And I'm going to pull it out and show it to them. Other than that, that thing stays in my wallet all the time. And I think too many of us treat our faith that same way. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, psst, are you a Christian? Then you would take it out and show it to them and conveniently put it back in. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. 
Peter made the mistake. That's where he started to bobble the ball. If you slow it down in instant replay, he's starting to fumble as he follows afar off. I want you to see the second move that he made that was a real problem. His flesh was weak. Notice this. He ignored the word of God. Jesus stood up and specifically said, I'm going to be arrested tonight. And when I am arrested, everybody is going to flee. They're going to take off. And Peter stands up and says, nope, that's not the way it's going to go down. Now again, Peter should have shut his mouth up and he should have listened. But he didn't. He started to fumble the ball. And he started to think this. Don't miss this. That the word of God applies to everybody else. It didn't apply to him. And that's the way our pride works. Pride thinks warnings are for other people. <laughs> do, you, do you do that with the speed limit? I do. Listen, I, I believe in being an evangelical Christian. And I don't believe you can go ye into all the world and preach the gospel at 35 miles an hour. we we got to move faster than this. And, and, and I feel like I'm a capable driver. I know what I'm doing. It's the rest of these idiots out here that don't know what they're doing. I mean, when it says speed limit, that's a suggestion for you. That's not a suggestion for responsible people like me. Now, I've noticed every night when I've gone back to my hotel room, I've noticed on the interstate that I've gone by, there has been a highway patrolman there every night at the same place. And he is sitting there reminding me, the warnings are for you too, sir. And if I want to push it, then I'll just have to pay the consequences. Well, Peter stands up and he says in his own pride, the warnings that Jesus has given, that's for the rest of these mooks here. That doesn't have anything to do with me. I mean, I'm stronger than they are. I'm better than they are. I, I tell you, those warnings, they do. you guys would do well to listen to this guy. I, but, but Peter was not paying attention for himself. He ignored the word of God. Listen, I'm telling you tonight, if we get to the place where we ignore God's word, that never works out well for anybody. Never. He's, he's, he's dropping the ball. He's keeping a safe distance, and then he's ignoring God's word. And then I want you to see the third thing. He's keeping company with the wrong crowd. He's hanging around at his fire with all these people that, hadn't, that, that really he shouldn't be hanging with. Hey, help me out here tonight, church. I know this is kind of a silly question with a very easy answer. Where do you find alley cats? In the alley. I mean, we say things like that, right? We say, you know, you lie with dogs and you get fleas, right? I say this to, to my people. It's just kind of my own goofy way of saying it. You hang out in the barber shop long enough and you will get a haircut. And I'm just saying you hang out with the wrong people long enough, you're going to do the wrong thing eventually. You have to be careful. And it's not just people. Be careful of the things that you associate with, the people that you associate with. And I'm not talking about having a meal. Jesus ate with sinners. I mean, man, if you invite somebody that's not saved in your home, that's a great thing if you have an intention of inviting them to church and sharing the gospel with them. But I'm just saying, be careful of the places you go and the associations you keep and the things that you indulge in because it could be the difference between victory or sin. It, it, it just began this process where, where Peter began to fail. And it goes back to verse 38 when Jesus said, your flesh is weak. 
And this was evidence of the fact that he had a sin nature and he was prone to sin. It's like the hymn we, we referenced one evening. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Peter's flesh was weak. But I want to say secondly, because it isn't very hard to see where Peter made some mistakes. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to be that way. You know, I can look at one of my kids' report cards, and they can have all A's and one B, and my attention goes right to that B. Anybody else like that at all? And I, I mean, I could walk into this room right here. I, I just have this innate ability to do that. I could walk in this room, and I could see this, a, a tiny speck of paper on the floor and not notice the vacuum carpet. I just have that tendency. And I think it's very easy, very easy for us to see Peter and see all the ways that he made mistakes. But I want you to see the other side of the story. Remember in verse 38, Jesus said, your flesh is weak. But let's not forget that he also said, your spirit is willing. And I want you to see that tonight. That's the other side of the story. Peter was willing in his spirit. Oh, he was weak in his flesh but he was also willing in his spirit. He said, what does that mean, that he was willing in his spirit? That means this, that he had a desire to do what was right. He did. He, he wanted to do what was right. Let's give Peter some credit. In this story, he didn't get it all wrong. He got some things right. Let me point that out to you. I want you to see, first of all, he was looking at Jesus. He was looking at Jesus. You're going to find in Luke's gospel account, in Luke chapter 22 and verse 61, just after the rooster crows, Jesus looks at Peter, and the Bible says this, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And that word looked there carries the idea that he fixed his eyes on him. Now man, I, wouldn't you have loved to be able to look in the face of Jesus? I mean, we've sung that every night at this meeting. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in the glory of his face. You know, look in the wonder of his face. We, we, we've sang that every night. But listen, I'm just telling you, let's give Peter some credit. Had he not been looking at Jesus, he would have never seen Jesus looking at him. And I wonder what that look said to Peter. I would imagine it was kind of a look of sadness. I would imagine Jesus was probably looking at Peter and thinking, Maybe his face was communicating, how could you do this? Maybe it was an angry look. How dare you, Peter? Maybe it was a look of friendliness. I don't know. I know this much. I had a dad, an earthly dad, who could give me the look. How many of you had a parent that could give you the look? Yeah, you, you knew exactly what they were telling you. And trust me. I deserved the look often. My dad could just look at me, and without saying anything, he could communicate to me. I'm just telling you tonight, whatever the look was, whether it was sadness, whether it was disappointment, whether it was anger, whether it was friendliness, whatever it was, Peter knew what it meant. And, and, and the reason he knew what it meant is he had a testimony of having a close relationship with Jesus. In fact, didn't the psalmist say that? The psalmist said, I will guide thee with mine eye. That's what that means. That means that if you're looking at God, if you're keeping your gaze in his direction, 
All He has to do is give you the look and you know what He means and you are willing to do it. And we've got to give Peter some credit because there are some people that aren't looking in Jesus' direction at all. They don't really care what He wants. They're not even looking at Him. And one commentator said this, don't forget that the look of Jesus, however wonderful, would have been no good if at the moment Simon had not been looking his way. So let's give Peter some credit that he had turned his eyes towards Jesus and he was looking in his direction. My question to you tonight is, are you at least looking his way? Keeping your eyes on him. Oh, I want to see Jesus. I, I want the Lord to be able to guide me with his eyes. I want to have a relationship that's so close to him that I know what his individual looks mean. And that I have enough sense to keep my eyes in the right place. Notice this, secondly, that he did remember the words that Jesus said. Oh, I know he said he dropped the ball when he kind of ignored God's word, but I want you to see, look at verse 72. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said. And I tell you tonight, anything that reminds us of the lessons from God's word is good for us. When you fail, if you're reminded of the truth of God's word, great. If you succeed and you're reminded of the truth of God's word, hey, listen, if you're going through a hard time, you know, it's in our dark, deep, low moments that a lot of times scriptures come to life. I'm going to tell you, you know, you talk about, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that verse is a lot more real when you're weak and you're struggling, and then you find that God can give you supernatural strength in your weakness. I'm glad sometimes in my weakness that's when I learn the truth of God's word I'm glad that I can say he, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory but you know what I don't learn that truth of God's word until I'm in desperate need I'm just telling you tonight anything that reminds us of God's word is a good thing for us because when you get back to God's word guess what you get back to the Lord you cannot underestimate power and the importance of this book right here listen I do not worship this book but this book is a revelation to me of the one I do worship man I'm so glad for the things in my life that turn me back to the truth of God's word and the Bible says that Peter when he failed here because of his willing spirit all his weak flesh caused him to fail but his willing spirit reminded him of God's word and turned him back to it let me show you thirdly he repented and got right. It says, when he thought thereon, he wept. You see, unlike Judas, Judas felt remorse, but Judas didn't repent, did he? Judas felt remorse. I mean, he went back to the religious leaders and brought the silver back and said, hey, take your money. I don't need this blood money. They said, we, we don't want the money. So what did he do? Instead of repenting and putting his faith in Christ, turning from his wicked deeds, he, he went out and committed suicide. Judas didn't repent. But I want you to know that Peter, he felt the same remorse for what he had done, but he repented. You understand in verse 72, we learn a very valuable lesson. This is the lesson. Sin brings sorrow. I heard somebody say this years ago, and it stuck with me. It became my own, and I say it to our church all the time. When you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. You can mark that down. When you choose to sin, 
you choose to suffer. And Peter here chose to sin. He did what he wanted to do. He chose to sin. And because of that, he suffered. Again, I pointed out to you another account says that he went out and he wept bitterly. But I want you to understand that the Bible teaches, Paul in his writings in Corinthians, he said this, godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation that's not to be repented of. Meaning this, worldly sorrow, Paul talks about the difference between two. Worldly sorrow is sorry that you got caught. Sorry that you're dealing with the consequences of it. Godly sorrow is sorry that you did what you did. Because of that, you're willing to accept the consequences because you want your heart to be right with the Lord. Peter wasn't trying to get out of the consequences of his sin. Peter wanted to repent and turn away from his sin. You know, some are so hardened that they never come, come, under, come under conviction no matter what confronts them. Here's what one author said. They could hear a, a rooster crow every day and have Jesus stare them down for hours. And all they would do is stop their ears to the crowing and stare right back with defiance. I'm going to tell you, I know people like that. I'm going to go a step further. I've been like that. I've heard the rooster crow. Went on doing exactly what I wanted to do anyway. Oh, I felt the icy stare of conviction in my heart. I stared right back and stiffed my neck and did exactly what I wanted to do. And can I tell you, every time I did that, it never turned out well for me. I want to tell you, there have been other times in my life, and I'm sure in yours too, that I heard the rooster crow and I thought, oh no. I felt the stare of the Lord. I thought, you're right. I repented changed my mind. I said, Lord, you're right and I'm wrong. And I'm sorry for what I've done and I know what I've done will bring consequences in my life and I must accept them. But what I want more than anything is I want to be right with you again. So I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm done preaching tonight, but one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible is John 21. John 21 is that great chapter where Jesus is eating breakfast with his disciples and Peter is sitting there. And three times Jesus says to Peter, 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 got a question for you. Peter, do you love me? In front of all those burly men, Peter said, I don't know, Lord, I always thought I loved you. You know if I love you or not. I think the Conversation continued to go on and on, and Peter, Jesus asked him again, Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, I, I always thought I loved you, but you know if I love you or not. I think they began telling stories and having a good time and yucking it up, and Jesus interrupted the stories and said, Peter, Peter, I've got a question for you, buddy. Do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord. I do love you. I do love you. Listen, Peter had two sides to his story. It's the same two sides to my story and your story. My flesh is weak. Sometimes I follow him afar off. Sometimes I warm the, my, myself at the fire of the world's philosophy and entertainment and fashion. 
Sometimes I just straight up ignore his word and do what I want to do. And every time I do that, I fail. But I would like to testify and say that I'm like Peter. I, I, I want to please the Lord. I do. I, I, I want to keep my eyes on him. I want to watch him. I want to stay so close to him that all he has to do is kind of nod. Glance. I, I want to learn. I, I, I mean this. I mean this. I know you, you don't know me well. I, I want to know his word. I want to, I, I want to obey his word. I want to learn more about his word. There have been times I've had to get on my knees. I've had to ask him to forgive me. Because I was wrong. He is always right. Let me ask you some questions. Question number one is this. Have you ever been embarrassed of your faith and embarrassed of your Savior? The truth of the matter is, is, yes, we all have at some point. I wish I could be more like Paul and say I am not ashamed of the gospel. There have been times I was embarrassed to give somebody a gospel track. There were times I was afraid to speak up for what was right. And I followed Jesus. I just followed him afar. So my question is this. Do you long to have a more courageous faith? Are you aware of the pitfalls in your life that can lead to failure? We can learn from Peter's mistakes. Here's my second set of questions. One, you've sung it every night this week, but will you keep your eyes on Jesus? Even in the moments you're struggling, will you keep your eyes on Jesus? Here's a good question. This is where we started our meeting. Will you keep your heart tender? I would hope that after several messages, concentrated nights coming to church when you don't normally do, hearing extra scripture and truth, I would hope at this point your heart is a little softer than it was when the meeting began. So that's a great question. Will you keep it that way? I think this is a great question to end a revival meeting. When you fail, will you be quick to repent? Because we're all going to fail. That doesn't justify it. It just helps us to know what to do with it when it happens. We, we want to avoid that at all costs. But when we fall, let's repent and turn to the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you bless the message tonight and the truth of your word. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for his, his just fun character. And thank you for letting us learn from him and learn about him. And I pray that you would help us tonight. How many of you tonight would say, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you would say, yes, I can relate to Peter. I can clearly see in my life how weak, how weak my flesh is. How many feel that way tonight? And I, I absolutely feel that way. And how many of you could say, with all sincerity, you're not, you're not being haughty, you're not being arrogant or proud, but you would say, you know, I'm like Peter in this, that I, I truly do want to be right and do right. And I want to be close to the Lord. I may not always be that, but that's what I, I do have that desire in my heart. I do. I mean, that's your testimony tonight. God bless you. I appreciate that.
I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. And Our friend's going to play on the piano. If you'd like to make an altar out of your seat, if you'd like to come out and pray, let's end this meeting that way. Let's ask the Lord to help us in our weakness and our failure and our faults.